Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Today's episode is kind of a mini episode slash preview slash kind of freeform looking ahead to Mexico 2022. And if all goes as planned, this episode is airing about a day before Fish takes the stage. And I could speak for all of us when I say I think we're all looking forward to that. About a year ago, myself and about three other friends had a roundtable. Uh, we were wallowing in the most despair of, of uh, the thick of COVID. And the four of us who all went to Mexico separately, but we hung out quite a bit there, decided to kind of do a recap a year later, just so we could wallow in nostalgia just a bit. And it was a really fun time to remember and look back. And now that it's two years after the 2020 Riviera Maya Festival, now it's time to look forward to 2022. And so one of the guys who was on that recap, Greg Ewan of North Carolina, was gracious enough to spend his time to come on. And the two of us just had a conversation about what we're looking forward to, what we thought of Fish's summer tour, and some tips and tricks as we head down south of the border for this February weekend to see four more nights of fish. Fingers crossed everything goes as it should. So uh, this episode is pretty short, but enjoy a quick look ahead to fish at Moon Palace, Cancun, 2022. Greg, welcome back to Attendance Bias. How you been? Great. Thanks for having me again. My absolute pleasure. You were last here about a year ago, I think it was, when you, myself, and a couple of our friends recorded a recap of Fish in Mexico in 2020. Uh, at that time, we were pretty hunkered down. This is around February of 2021 or January. We just needed to remember something pleasant at that time because everyone was really to themselves at that point in our recent history. And it's almost like if you've ever read the young adult book, The Giver, where memories create different emotions in people. They don't experience them themselves, but when they remember something, they still feel the genuine emotion. And for me, Mexico 2020 is that memory. It, it really makes me feel so joyous as if I were there in the moment. Yeah, it's, it's still one that I go back to as well. And um, you know, sort of started to thinking about this year coming up, uh, all the memories came back from the last one. That is why we're here. So this is a unique episode of Attendance Bias because we don't have a show that has occurred yet. So this is a preview, which I've never done before, and I'm a little bit excited and a little unsure. Come what may, let's dig into it. So for everyone listening at home, Greg Ewan, uh, he and I have been chatting for years now on a fish message board, and we have met for the first time, I believe, in 2020 at Moon Palace. We've been in touch since. And we are here now. We both were lucky enough to get a reservation for this upcoming year, 2022, at Mexico. And we're here to talk about it. So, Greg, before we get into Mexico, let's learn a little bit about you as a fan. And we're going to get into the attendance bias lightning round. Attendance bias lightning round. Greg, when was your first fish show? Hampton, October 25th, 1996. And what do you remember about it? I don't think I've heard it before. You know, it's funny. I, I don't remember anything specific about it. And I wasn't even 100% sold at that point that I was going to go see them a bunch of times. But I do remember they played Stash. And that was the song that has sort of prompted me to go see them. Um, that, that was sort of my first love with Fish. 
how old were you at the time? Where were you in life? I had uh, graduated from college earlier in that year, so I had not quite started my professional career. And so I was kind of in the in-between phase of living at my parents' house, being a mooch. (laughs) And so you were born and raised in Virginia? Yeah, I grew up in Virginia Beach. So the the Hampton is kind of like my home base. You know, Hampton, Portsmouth, those venues, uh, Virginia Beach, obviously. And now I live just a little bit south of there across the state line on the way to the Outer Bank. So if Hampton was your first fish show in 96, what was your most recent one? Uh, Atlantic City last summer. And that's uh, that's the only show that I saw last year. But man, what, what a great set of shows. Yeah, I was there too. And it was the only set of shows that I saw as well since New Year's Eve and the run there was moved to this coming April. You just said, what a set of shows. What do you remember about that? Like, what did you like the most about AC? Well, aside from finally getting to see Reba. Um, <laughs> That's right. I had to go over 90 shows in like 25 years to get it. And really that second night for me, I, I had kind of a transcendental experience. Um, you know, the, the whole weekend was fun, but uh, I remember that night, aside from the Reba, I remember a, a No Quarter, which is one that mm-hmm. I really wanted them to to do coming out of nowhere. I couldn't even tell you all the songs they played. I just remember that night. I had the most amazing time. Other than fish. What's the band that you've probably seen the most live. It's not a probably it's a hundred percent Slayer. Um, <laughs> really? I don't have a show count, but it's, it's between 20 and 30 somewhere. If you were to introduce someone who had never heard fish before, what would you choose to introduce them? Hey, you know, I, I try to, it's funny because I really stray away from trying to turn people on to fish because I, Seems like it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I ate whatever was the latest thing that they had out at the time. So right now I would say Sigma Oasis because I would want that person to go to a show and see the band to really get the experience and understand why. And then they would be likely to hear at least one or two songs uh, of the newer material probably played in a show these days. So there would be something to hold on to. And it's either that or I would take like a really, really long tweezer and say, hmm. listen, Listen, if you don't like this, then you're not going to like it. They're like the, you know, sort of the, the extremes. Yeah. Right? You know, you want something that might be familiar to you. And it's uh, at least on the, the recorded versions, they're kind of whittled down, right? So it's digestible for somebody that uh, might not ha- know what to expect uh, when they get into the improv. Uh, but the other end of it is, uh, let's just go full board and say, fine, take the like Bozeman tweezer. If you don't like this, you're probably not going to like this band. What is your most controversial fish opinion? Uh, You know, you kind of touched on a minute ago that there are a lot of great songs in the 3.0 era. I I am unabashedly a fan of almost all of their songs. I'm not in that group of jaded fans that says, you know, I I can't enjoy a show if it's mostly 3.0. I think they've got some great songs and a lot of the really some of the best jams they've ever done have come out of those songs. I agree with you there. I think that it all goes back to the fact that ever since their inception, basically their improvisation, their best improvisation comes from whatever they're most excited to play. And no matter what era you pull them, they're always most excited to play their newest songs. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Absolutely. What is your favorite post-show snack? (laughs) Taco flavored Doritos. If I can find them, I will buy them everything that they have in this (laughs) You don't get them down here, but like once a decade, you know, I, I discovered that at Meriwether, there's a Wegmans not far from Meriwether yeah. and most of the time. So usually when we get up there the first day, um, we'll go by there and pick up like four or five bags and 
I usually keep one or two in the car that I don't let anybody know that I have so that they make the trip home with me. The most recent time that they played at Merriweather, I forget what year that was, that I saw them at least, I was able to sneak in half a Wegman sub into the show. Nice. It was my most stealth move ever. Like I found my seat, I sat down, and I had half a Danny's favorite right before the first set started. I was so proud of myself. That's fantastic. I don't, it doesn't really speak to security at Merriweather, but good for you. God bless them. But it was from that exact Wegmans that you're talking about. Uh, final question of the lightning round. What is the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a fish show? Normally, I would have to think about this, but I know for a fact it's uh, the full size, that I'd say about six foot tall Oompa Loompa uh, <laughs> dancing behind me during Chalk Dust Torture at Hampton 2004. You know, I remember that it was just a couple minutes after the show started. It was an opening number, and my buddy taps me on the shoulder and he says, Look, don't look behind you right now. <laughs> and I turned around, and sure enough, I, I, the guy was just getting down. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life the smile on this guy's face. What was he was wearing a wig? Did he have orange face paint? Like, give me some, give me what your pit, what, what you saw. Full regalia. I mean, the overalls, green hair, the orange makeup with the like white eyebrows and everything. I mean, he had gone all out. And I don't know that he wasn't actually an Oompa Loompa, uh, you know, aside from the <laughs> like the blown up version of one, the stay puffed Oompa Loompa. I don't know exactly how many people listen to this podcast, but if you were at Hampton 2004, and you were dressed up as an Oompa Loompa and you're about six feet tall, get in touch with me because I really want to talk to you all of a sudden. I would say even if you saw it, just um, maybe come back and respond somewhere so that I know that I wasn't crazy because that's the wildest thing I've seen. So looking ahead to Mexico 2020, Right here, I'm in New York City, and it is about 15 degrees, probably colder now. The high today, I think, was like 24. Now it's pretty cold. The sun has gone down. Greg, where are you, and what is the weather like there as we look forward to Cancun in a couple of weeks? So I'm in uh, extreme northeast North Carolina. You know, here, winter means something different than what it does for you. I think you know, last year when we did this, uh, the round table, I made a comment about it being cold one night in Mexico and uh, everybody gave me some crap about that. But uh, it's been pretty cold here. We've had two weekends worth of snow, uh, one right after another, which is unusual for us. Yeah, I mean, it does feel sort of like um, it's helping to build the anticipation for Mexico. And I, I, there's been a lot of stress this last year kind of building up to it. And I think the weather is, is at least it's put my wife uh, across the line, where like, all right, screw it. Like, I just want to get there. Before we get to Mexico, let's talk about what it takes to get to Mexico. This year, it was a real hard scramble on my end to find a room. Uh, 2020, when we went, it was much smoother. I was looking for a room with our mutual friend Chase. We were on opposite ends. We were, you know, planning, and we did end up rooming together. And we were just texting back and forth, like an episode of 24, where we had the little, you know, uh, side mic on our mouths and just, do you have one pulled up? I have this pulled up. What do you have? How much? All this. But we both had a room ready to go almost immediately after the on sale and didn't feel any pressure. This year seemed like a huge mess. What was it like getting your room? And I'll tell you a little bit more of what it was like for us getting ours. Yeah, you know, I feel like I just got really lucky this year. I mean, I I was at work. I made sure to 
block off some meeting time so I wouldn't be interrupted. Um, and you know, I just got ready and I think I clicked in at the right time. I believe that we were at an advantage because we knew we wanted to stay for six nights. And I think that the shorter, the, the four and five night packages probably went faster. So I think that worked in, in our favor because last year it had been on sale for a couple of months, I think when we bought our, our tickets um, and it was no problem. So very fortunate because, you know, we have friends, you and I, that could not get in this year that were trying at the same time. So I, I really just, I feel lucky. And they're not alone. There were a lot of people who came away disappointed. I was also at work and I'm a teacher. So there are times, I think these went on sale in June, in June this past June of 2021. And there are times when you're teaching where you can finagle, you know, looking at your computer, you know, and tickets go on sale. Uh, but this year, this June, I just couldn't finagle it. So my girlfriend had the keys. And so I gave her the code to get in. And we also knew which package we wanted, which type of room, all that. And she told me that when she opened it, there was just this giant list of every permutation of every type of room and that they were not divided or filtered in any way, that it was just a gigantic list. And it would be four nights, this type of room, Nizuk. Four nights, this type of room, sunrise, et cetera, grand. And then five days, seven days, whatever you have. And every time you clicked on one and it was sold out, you, you took you back to that main screen and you had to scroll all the way down. So she told me it was extremely disorienting that you kind of had to start from scratch every single time. Is that how you remember it too? Well, uh, I mean, that's definitely the way it was presented. Um, you know, we had decided, discussed ahead of time when we wanted to arrive, you know, which package we wanted. We knew what kind of room we wanted. And like I said, I think I got lucky because I went in immediately. I picked the the six night at sunrise, which is, you know, garden room, which is what we wanted. And it, it let me in and just immediately feverishly typing in, trying to get, you know, <laughs> to the, you know, get pressed. And then, you know, that's the part where you really hold your breath when you press, you know, submit and, and the thing starts spinning uh, because Always. We've, all, we've all been through the ticket master thing of, you know, getting the tickets in your cart and then, you know, having the, something bomb out at the last minute, you know, ticket purchasing is probably the most stressful thing uh, that happens in my life, you know, outside. <laughs> um, well, really probably just in general, because everything else, you know, you, you have some control over. And it's, I really do think this comes down to luck. I mean, I think that, you know, you got lucky and I got lucky. Um, a lot of people didn't. After it was sold out, it was like two days later, they announced that there's going to be extra rooms at a different resort. It's about 30 minutes away from what I understand. And there's going to be a bus that takes the members of that resort to and from the Moon Palace. Do you know anyone who's staying at that resort or got a package through that way? Uh, I don't, but I know that, uh, you know, this is kind of how it was the first few years when it was in Barcelo, there were other resorts where some of the attendees were staying and they had buses uh, after the show. So I'm sure that it's going to work fine. I'm seeing now, it looks like on social media, you know, there are people that are, are sort of bailing out and dumping their packages. And a lot of folks now that are frustrated trying to move from the, you know, the offsite resort in uh, to Moon Palace. So it'll be interesting to see how many people are actually still staying at that other place. Well, speaking of that, about people who are bailing, because I've noticed that too. And like I said, we're recording this on February 6th. So the beginning of the event is roughly two weeks away. And just about 
two weeks ago, this Omicron peak has been out of control, out of control. I was a, I'm a teacher and it seemed like right before Christmas and right after New Year's, everyone was absent from school, teachers, students, everyone was quarantined. If you didn't test positive, someone you knew did. And if someone you knew didn't, someone they knew did. And that was right around the time when cash or trade started listing endless transfers or opportunities for people. Here's, you know, take my wristband, take my, take my room reservations. And now it seems to have evened out. That was also around the time that dead and company, they had their event, right. Called playing in the sand that was canceled outright canceled while some people were in the air on a plane on their way to the plane in the sand event to Cancun. What was your reaction when you heard that? No, I, I wasn't totally surprised because of the fact that, you know, a couple of the band members had already uh, dropped out. Right. So uh, Billy, you know, had come out early saying he wasn't going to be there and they pulled a pinch hitter for him. And then when John Mayer went, you know, even though it doesn't seem like that should derail, uh, you know, a, a dead project at some point you got to wonder, you know, how is this going to go on? I felt, I think that it sounds like they did right by the people that were there. As I understood it, they refunded the the purchase price of their trip and allowed them to stay there for the period that they were booked. And, and I'm sure that people made you know the best lemonade uh, that they could with it. Uh, but that was the point where I started to get really nervous because uh, where we are, uh, you know, we're probably a month behind New York in terms of the waves uh, at least historically. Um, and that was right around the time it was really starting to make the news here. You know, it's like the first, first or second week of January, um, you know, after the holidays, I can tell you, you know, in my, my office, uh, was quite empty, uh, with, you know, so many people being sick then. I don't know. That was the first point where I started to get a little worried that, man, maybe this thing's not going to go on. Um, and I sure hope if it doesn't go on that it gets rescheduled and not canceled. Because I don't want to go through the stressful ticket. <laughs> Are you surprised that it's still on at this point as of February 6th? Yeah, no, I, I don't think if they were going to cancel something, I, I think it would be very close to the date. And seeing as how the last few of the big events down there have gone on, I think as long as the band is healthy, that the the event will go on. You know, I've seen rumors about well, if more than half the people uh, ask for refunds, they're going to cancel it. But I, you know, I can't see more than half the people asking for refunds and other people not buying up those rooms. Uh, I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think enough people are going to ask for refunds. I think fish is a different mindset than dead and company. And I also think that like I just alluded to, and I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist. It just seems like things are not as intense as they were when dead and company was scheduled to play, which was right in the thick of it. Yeah. I mean, we had a little bit of time to digest what Omicron was going to be like. And, and, you know, it seems by and large people are a little less nervous. I think about um, their own health. I, people are fatigued. Maybe, I don't know, but you know, we, we talked about it, you know, okay. If they issue refunds, you know, what do we want to do? And you know, my whole thing is you go through a lot to get to these shows. It's no different than going to a festival and waiting in 40 hours of traffic. You know, they're going to reward you for um, showing up. Uh, you know, the reward may be just four fantastic mm-hmm. concerts in a row. Uh, could be, you know, some sort of quasi-religious experience. Uh, for sure, it's going to be 
a thousand times better than getting up at 5 a.m. and going to work every day. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I hope it works out for everybody that wants to go and that the people that had to drop out for one reason or another are not, they find a way to work past it. But I, I, this thing has to go on at this point. Did you have any concerns when you went to Atlantic City this summer? And has that changed, stayed the same, looking ahead two weeks to Mexico? It's funny in Atlantic city, you know, cause it had been a while since we had had our vaccines earlier in the year and we got there and the first night, you know, the way we went in brought us underneath the pier and basically right to the front of the stage. And we we're like, Oh, this is great. We'll just hang out right here. And it was super crowded. And about halfway through the show, we went like way back because you know, the sound was immaculate, even in the back of the, the venue. And I remember leaving there at first time going back to the hotel, you know, in the tiny little elevator with like 30 other people in it, thinking to myself, oh, it's okay. For sure we all have COVID now. So there's no avoiding it. <laughs> um, and we didn't. And I and I think that for me, that put me a little bit at ease about that maybe it's not quite as easy to get if you do some common sense things. You know, like wearing a mask when you're around groups of people, you know, in those elevators and things like that and avoiding some of the close contact. I think now, you know, my only concern with it really is uh, with regards to Mexico is testing requirements. Uh-huh. You know, we talked just before, uh, you know, getting on here about, you know, going in the bubble. It's, you know, now it's like we're a couple of weeks out. Uh, I don't want to take any chances about, you know, having a positive test come back and ruining my trip. I should be concerned about getting stuck down there and not being able to come back and go to work. But, um, you know, this day and age, you know, I'll take a laptop with me and I'll prepare for, uh, you know, every eventuality, but I'm not too worried about it at this point. In, in Atlantic city, I also was quite nervous, uh, going in and I also wore a mask pretty much whenever I was indoors, like you said, in the elevators, when I walked through casinos and I don't gamble. So I wasn't in a casino for, any really extended length of time, except every once in a while, I'd sit at a slot machine, you know, put 50 bucks down and I took off my mask occasionally. And then it really hit me when I smelled cigarette smoke. I don't like cigarette smoke, but I said, if I'm inhaling cigarette smoke, that means I'm inhaling whatever someone is exhaling toxic smoke, of course, and whatever else comes with it. And I said, fuck this. I don't need to win $20 after losing 80 that bad that I need to sit here. And so, but when I was outside, like you mentioned, my friends and I were pretty far back, but I've seen the band. We all know what they look like. The sound, as you mentioned, is immaculate. And there was space that we could move and I could take my mask off and feel more secure than I had for months prior. Yeah, no, you know, the the thing we discovered in the back there was that was the place to be. Not only, as you said, and we've all seen them, the sound was fantastic, but there were no lines for anything. So. Mm -hmm kind of laid up there between like the merch tent and the beer tent. And, you know, like when they started playing Reba, I said, let's hurry up and grab a beer before they get to the jam because we're right here. And 30 seconds later, we're back in our spot. You know, for me, that was a, something that made me feel a little bit safer about going to shows. And that was the first concert that I had been to really since the pandemic started. And so I've been to some shows, you know, indoor shows and things since then. And, and I think I, you know, sort of applied the same, uh, you know, lessons that I learned there about, yes. All right. Like you said, with the cigarette smoke, I, I noticed that first thing in the elevator, some, uh, there was a girl in there and she hit her vape pin. And I, as I watched it disperse around the elevator, I was like, wow, okay, we really are all sharing the same air. And so, you know, I, I've taken that forward with me, but, um, you know, I think 
this thing in Mexico, you know, it's nice that they've got the vaccination requirements. You know, I think there, you know, maybe are a lot of people that will get around that because they're buying wristbands uh, from somebody else, but I don't even care. <laughs> so taking a more positive spin on it, what are you looking forward to the most this year? Oh my gosh. I, I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing that, that this will be our third time to Mexico. Um, I like just standing on the beach, eating nachos and tacos and drinking beer and seeing, you know, fish play. It's, it's like all of the things that I, if I could take my dogs there, <laughs> I was already going, I would literally have everything that matters in life right there. <laughs> so I'm going to get everything but the dogs. And last time when we went in 2020, you were with your daughter and your wife and I think your cousins, right? So who's coming this time? Uh, it, my wife and my daughter are coming again. Uh, cousin, cousins aren't coming this go around, but uh, I'm sure that they will be jealous to hear about the stories. Probably as long as we can afford this, this may become uh, a family tradition. I think when we, were there last, when we were there last year, somebody said, you know, if you want to make something a tradition, just do it twice. And um, so we'll see. My girlfriend and I go to White Castle every Valentine's Day, and we've done it three times now. So now it's a firmly established tradition. Can't break it. That's a lot less expensive than going to fish in Mexico. <laughs> That's true, but just as meaningful. What, what I'm looking forward to the most, I think, and this sounds pretty abstract and uh, kind of a hippy dippy answer, but I'm looking forward to the vibe more than anything. You know, I remember the greatest thing, and I mentioned this on our recap, that you mentioned the stress of getting tickets. To me, I am so neurotic that I get very stressed out leading up to a fish show. I get a lot of anxiety, and I know a lot of people do, that for what it's worth, there's a lot of planning. You know, when people talk about personal care, it's there's a lot you got to schedule and measure out from almost the end of the night moving backwards, where it's like, what time do you have to leave for the venue? Uh, are we going to park there? Are we going to take a train or public transport? If we do, what time are we going to eat beforehand? Do you know, if so, where do you want to go? And if you're with a group, it becomes that much harder to coordinate. In Mexico, all of that melts away. Everything is within literally a hundred feet. Right. There's something nice about that. Like literally being free of time. That, yeah. And that's what I need more than anything. You know, I have to be at work at a certain time. I only get to make phone calls. I only can go to the bathroom <laughs> within certain minutes of the day. And so to have that luxury that you just mentioned of having no clocks is worth whatever this costs, which I've stopped counting by now to avoid any sort of Briar's remorse. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I think to that, um, the lyrics of Sense and Subtle Sounds and you know, kind of it is about that, right? So stop looking at, uh, you know, trying to count everything and keep track of it all. And if you just can stop, enjoy the moment. And that's what you get to do there. Yeah, just enjoy them one by one, right, is what the song says. Are there any songs that you haven't seen yet that you're just dying to see in Mexico? There are some I haven't seen and some that I haven't seen in a very long time. I really want them to play Dog Log again. It's been a lot of years since I've seen that. I don't think I've seen it since 1.0. Um, I just love that song. Uh, I really, really want to see them play Sightless Escape, uh, which they, I think, have only done uh, once or twice. It was one of the Ghosts of the Forest songs that was not on the record. Um, but it's it's got a very cool sort of 
surf rock guitar vibe to it. Um, I, I think Monica is decided we're going to petition for them to play Sing Monica. Um, <laughs> and so I threw the caveat on only if it has like five minutes of tray shredding at the end of it. Covers are a big deal for me. When we went to Mexico last time, I had never seen or heard them play Have Mercy. And that was like on a bucket list sort of thing. And they played it, right? I was, I don't remember which night it was, but I was just thrilled. And you remember my reaction when they played Sea and Sand by the who you know i could have died right then and died happy that was classic i don't know that i've ever seen anybody that happy. (laughs) you had the biggest smile well i hope i get that happy again if you could pick a song out of thin air a cover that they've never played before and they would debut it down there my thought would be Eminence Front by The Who. Of course, it's The Who. But I think they would just tear that one up. What about you? Any songs that in your wildest imaginations, Fish could play this off a jukebox and you would be thrilled? Yeah, 100% um, Bang a Gong from T-Rex. I've been, hmm. I've been putting that out to the universe. That sounds like a song to me that they would just kill. And I need to hear it. What tips and tricks do you have? Any advice? This is going to be your third time going to Mexico? Yeah, this will be our third time. Okay. So share some of your wisdom with us. Some things that if it's someone someone's first time and they've never been, three or four tips and tricks you would give them to have a great time. All right. First off, if you're a person that likes to eat in the fancier restaurants, um, you make sure you bring a pair of pants and make your reservations as soon as you get there. Uh, because I don't think that Moon Palace allows you to make them uh, beforehand. I think we talked about it before too. I think you might've mentioned it. Uh, Get yourself a nice big insulated tumbler because when you're ordering beers at the pool, they're bringing you like 10 ounce cups. I I think that's why I was able to drink so many and (laughs) stay on my feet because they, there's time in between those do that. Definitely lots and lots of sunscreen. There aren't a lot of rules there. You need to tip people. Yeah. One thing I would say. So bring, bring money with that in mind and bring more than you think you're going to need because the, the people really do go out of their way to take care of you. And they go even further out of their way. Uh, if, if you put a little extra in their hands, I mean, we actually had the last time probably where we tipped somebody too well and he, he was bringing us more drinks than, you know, 10 of me could. <laughs> and I had to tip him more to stop. So. Yeah, that's, so, that's good advice. Yeah, that, I for think sure. those would be the, the chief. I would also, I had two things to add on to that. Number one, bring either a power strip or some sort of outlet adapter. Uh, not that it doesn't take regular plugs in Mexico from America, but there for the amount of devices that we've accumulated as a nation and as a culture of the past 10 years or so that need to be charged on a nightly or daily basis, there aren't enough outlets. So if you have you know one of those double plug, I don't know, adapters that turn two plugs into six, bring one of those. Trust me. That's good advice. Yeah, I think there were only two plugs in our room. And with three people, you can use that pretty quickly. Right. So if if that sounds like you, bring it. It's like my grandma who grew up during the Depression would say, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So make sure you have that. I would also suggest to eat a lot. Eat as much as you can because... God damn it. You've paid for it. You've paid so much for it. Especially in the venue. The food is really, really good. Yeah. 
I, treat I, yourself. I, you know, I, I'd add one more to mine too. You know, each room had a refrigerator in it that was like a mini bar stocked and they had like liquor dispensers in it. And if you don't want the juice and the, you know, sodas and stuff like that, take some of your tipping money and you write a little note to them and you put it in the refrigerator and say, please take out all of the juice and fill it up only with beer or whatever your drink of choice is. And they will do it. Wow. Say, you know, stock it only with beer or, you know, if you want some bottles of water, you know, please leave an extra bottle of water and stock the fridge with beer. They will do it. Put shit. Quiet, put five bucks in there. Now you might have to do it every day because I, you know, it, you're going to drink the beer and then they're going to try to restock it with soda and juice. But um, you know, if you take care of the people there, they, they go out of their way for you. The very last piece of advice that I would put out there during the show, you know, during a lot of shows, people have their space, the place that they like to be. They like to be page side. They like to be up front on the floor. They like to be right in front of the soundboard or they like to be all the way in the back, mic side. I would suggest as advice, friendly advice, don't limit yourself. Go all over the place. You know, start up front. Go beachside, like to the waves. Spend a couple songs with your feet in the water. Uh, one time, last time, I was during whichever night Sweet Jane was the encore. I was all the way in the back, all the way in the back where there's this awesome display of wicker furniture and like beach chairs and couches and stuff. They have a big screen set up as if it's live fish. And this, there's a brand new speaker tower right in front of that. And my first inclination was to say, you know, I just paid $5,000 what I could have done in my living room. But there is something to be said for putting your feet up during a live show with the breeze and the waves and you're there anyway. It's four nights. Explore. Yeah, you know, we didn't try that. I know what you're talking about, Barry, with the chase lounges, right? Yes. When you came in. We did not do that. And we talked about it um, just recently, too, that, you know, if they had that set up again this year, I want to go do that. Better yet, hopefully they've got some hammocks or something strung up out there. Uh, because, you know, you can't, you, yes, you can watch it on TV from your living room. Can you sit outside where you are right now um, and, and watch a, a fish show? No, you can't. Also, with a, with a pina colada that someone brings to you, you know, or eating a churro. With the pina colada, you know, all these luxuries that if you are lucky enough to go and if you're able to afford it that you paid for, take advantage of everything this site has to offer because it's just going to make your trip that much better and your experience that much more rich. That's sage advice. Well, Greg, thanks for doing this for this kind of almost mini episode because we don't have any music to go along with it yet but we will do an update from mexico and i'm sure the next time i will see you is when we get in touch once we've both landed and checked in so thank you again for joining us from north carolina and I'll, next time i'll see you uh we'll be on mexico time look forward to it thanks for having me and that's it for the 2022 Mexico Moon Palace preview. And although this wasn't a full-on episode of Attendance Bias, in fact, there was no music at all, that's a first for this show, I still felt the need to go back and fact-check just a couple of things to make sure that Greg and I were on the right track. So now it is time for a very short Attendance Bias fact-check. Attendance Bias fact-check.
Greg's first show was October 25th, 1996 at the Hampton Coliseum, which featured a ha-ha-ha opener, uh, a stash that is about 14 minutes long toward the end of the first set, and a now-rare Johnny Be Good encore. The show at Merriweather Post Pavilion, when I was able to sneak in a Wegman sub, was in 2018. I don't remember which of the two nights it was, but I still maintain that it was a hell of a move. It wasn't the last time Fish played the venue, as I erroneously said, but it was the last time I saw them there. And finally, Greg is hoping the band plays Doglog in Mexico. It would be quite the bust out, since the last time the song was played was June 20th, 2012, at the Entelos Pavilion in Portsmouth, Virginia. The time before that was all the way back to the IT Festival on August 2nd, 2003. Greg also mentioned Sightless Escape from the Ghosts of the Forest album. That song was played just once at Dick's in 2019. And finally, he brought up Sing Monica as a hope, crossing his fingers. That was last played at the Bill Graham in San Francisco on July 20th, 2016, during a rarity-filled first set. And that's it for today's episode of Attendance Bias. Thank you so much for listening. If you're traveling to Mexico, please travel safe. If you are watching at home on Couch Tour, please enjoy and have all the tacos and margaritas you can. If you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show by leaving a rating and a review of it on your favorite podcast app and follow Attendance Bias on social media. I am most often on Instagram and Twitter. If you reach out and say hello, I will be happy to send you a free sticker. Thank you again for listening. I'm looking forward to fish so much, and I'll see you next week on Attendance Bias. <laughs>